Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm your Bible teacher today as we come to the part in the book of Hebrews that, quite honestly, is one of my most favorite sermons I have ever had the privilege of teaching. Today we come to a sermon I'm calling The Marks of Spiritual Maturity in Hebrews 5, verses 11 to 14. How do you define spiritual maturity? Well, you know, the reality is no matter how you define it or I define it, what really matters is how does the Scripture define it? And that's what we are going to see today. I'm asking a big question in today's sermon. How does someone know that they are growing and transitioning beyond the milk of God's Word into solid food? How do you know that you are at that stage? Well, Scripture tells us, and we are going to explain it all in this sermon called Marks of Spiritual Maturity. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 11 to 14. We're going to conclude chapter 5 today, which I'm so excited. I love this text because for me, this really is the most practical in our daily life portion of Hebrews yet. And I'm thrilled to share it with you. I want to call today Marks of Spiritual Maturity. You know, I write a devotion every single week that I call Marks of Spiritual Maturity. If you don't receive my weekly devotion, I would love for you to. Did you know that our weekly email list now exceeds over 46,000 weekly subscribers. Amen. The Lord is allowing us to speak into many, many lives. And this email goes out every week, and it's a devotion, and I love to share it. But the reason I love to call it Marks of Spiritual Maturity is because I want you to understand something about our ministry. We have one bottom line. One, it's not our bank account, it's not our savings, it's not any tangible asset that we have. Our bottom line is spiritual maturity. Paul said in Colossians 1.28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, that's evangelism, and teaching everyone, that's discipleship. So many churches, unfortunately, major in one, minor in the other. So many churches feel the need that they are all in in evangelism or all in in discipleship. And for us at this church, we blend the two. Why? Because Scripture blends the two. And what happens when you mix what happens when you unite? What happens when you blend together evangelism with discipleship? Warning everyone, teaching everyone, everyone what? Christ, him we proclaim. Then what is the outcome? <clears throat> what is the result? Paul said that we may present everyone, and here's the bottom line, mature in Christ. You know, as my children are growing up right now, I have one primary goal for my children when it comes to their 
when it comes to their life leading into adulthood. Obviously, I want them to know God. Obviously, I want them to be born again. I want them to be worshipers of God. I want them to have a very high regard for the Lord. But, but just you know, looking in, in the natural sense, I have one primary goal for my children. I want them to become mature, responsible adults. I want them to grow up into maturity. And that's the Lord's desire for us in our spiritual lives. And so what the writer of Hebrews does, he begins in verse number 11, and he is going to lead us into chapter 6 out of chapter 5, talking to us about spiritual maturity. I want to ask a question today, and I want to answer it with the Scriptures. How does a believer know that you have transitioned from the milk of God's Word to the meat of God's word. How do you know that you're ready to go from milk to solid food? How do you know that? That's the primary question that I want to ask and answer in today's session of Hebrews. Look at verse 11 with me. The author says, now of this I have much to say. Of what? Well, where we left last week in verse 10, he begins to explain why the priesthood of Christ is greater than that of Aaron because it is after the order of Melchizedek. And when I committed to preach to the entire book of Hebrews, Melchizedek was the greatest question mark I had. You ask me, who was Melchizedek? And I just scratched my head. Ooh. Ooh, Melchizedek. How do you describe him? How do you explain him? And the Holy Spirit is going to reference Melchizedek a number of times. But where he's really going to explain is in chapter 7. And so, therefore, I am going to wait until we get to chapter 7, and I want you to do your own homework on Melchizedek. And if you were one of our 11 moms pregnant right now, I would love for you to consider the name Melchizedek. That's a great name. (laughs) I would double-check the spelling on the birth certificate because it's a doozy. But, you know, the kid will get it by the time he's in ninth grade. He'll, He'll get it. But listen what the author is saying. He, he, it's, like, it's like from chapter, chapter 5, verse 10, to chapter 7, verse 1, there is this great parenthesis. Because what the author is going to say is, I have so much to tell you about the heavenly ministry of Christ. We know so much about his earthly walk because of the four gospels, the synoptic gospels inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the writer is saying there is so much more to the ministry of Christ. There's so much more in his his heavenly work right now, but I can't share it with you because there's something blocking it. You're not ready for such teaching yet. Very interesting. 
Now, remember, if you're taking notes all the way through the book with us, I want you to remember this because you can't lose sight of this. There are five great warnings in the book of Hebrews. The first warning we've already covered, which was do not drift from Christ. We said the word picture is of a boat that slips out of dock and is just being carried away, drifting aimlessly. People do that with their faith. They coast. When you're not anchored to Christ, and that's what Hebrews 6.20, which will work our way there, says. It is an anchor of the soul. When you're not anchored to Christ, you will drift. The second warning that now we have covered in chapter 4 is do not doubt. Guard your life from unbelief. Those who drift ultimately begin to doubt. And now we are in our third stage of warning from the Holy Spirit, and that is in verse 11. Do not become dull of hearing. Those who drift will ultimately doubt, and those who doubt will become dull in their spiritual senses. So look at the text with me. Verse 11. Of this, I have much to say, but it is hard to explain. Now, ask yourself this question. Why is it hard to explain? Is it because the text is that complicated? Well, we are going to come into some heavy lifting. When we come into chapter 6, in my opinion, chapter 6 is the most difficult, the most complex to explain chapter in all of the Bible, in my opinion. But I'm going to try to handle the word rightly with you. And we're going to try to walk out of this auditorium understanding it in, in the coming weeks. He says, I have much to explain, but I have much to say, but it's hard to explain. But, but is it that we just simply can't grasp it? Is it that we can't know it by the Holy Spirit? Is it that we can't be taught and we can't learn? No, no, it's not that it's too difficult to explain because it's too hard to understand. No. And furthermore, I'm going to show you at the end today why he says it is the distinguishing between good and evil. And let me tell you why I love the way the Holy Spirit says that. Because understanding God's word, understanding God, loving God, living for God, following God has nothing to do with intellect. It has nothing to do with your education. It has nothing to do with your IQ or if you were good at academics or not. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with conviction. It has to do with spiritual senses. It has to do with spiritual capacity. And let me tell you, spiritual capacity is not your intellect. It's not how good you were in school or what kind of grades you made or how high or how low your level of education is. It has to do with the development of your spiritual senses, which God gives to us. I'm going to show you today why just like babies 
have all their senses. The problem is babies just don't know how to use them. And the author of Hebrews gives the same comparison to our spiritual maturity that those who are not growing up in Christ, those who are not developing their spiritual senses, they have it, it's there, they just don't know how to use it. And do you know what spiritual maturity is? It's when you begin to develop those spiritual senses. Are you with me? Say amen if you're with me right now. I can't see a one of you, so I don't know. I hope you're with me. Okay. Of this, I have much to say, and it's hard to explain, but here we go. You have become dull of hearing. Whew. Man, many of you know, I'm beginning a writing project where I'm writing a new book right now, and I think, man, if I wanted that book to sell, I wouldn't tell my audience, well, you're dull of hearing. The Holy Spirit don't care about book sales. He says the truth, amen? And what a hard thing to say to this audience that the Holy Spirit tells them, but you have become dull of hearing. What's it mean? If you're going to take notes, you may find this interesting. The word dull here is a really interesting word. It is used one only, only one other time in the, in the scriptures. And it's in chapter 6. Verse 12, it's coming up. It literally means sluggish, slow. It means to become dull of hearing in the sense of you're not paying attention any longer. You're sluggish in the way you hear from God or hear his word. What an indictment. You know, I, I think about uh, Sadie and I, our first home was on Memorial Boulevard. <clears throat> and we were, we were right. Uh, some of you know exactly where it is. They called that dead man's curve. You know where that is? We lived in that colonial style blue house right there on that curve. And it was constant traffic all the time. We, the house was right next to a fire station. And then our beloved brother, uh, was the captain, he was retired captain of the fire department. That was our next door neighbor. He's now in heaven with the Lord. But every time those big fire engines would drive by our houses, they would blow those massive horns in honor of him. It was always noise. But we got used to it. We stopped paying attention to it. Then when we moved from Memorial Boulevard, we moved to, it's a isolated kind of a private cul-de-sac that's right on the edge of the woods. Now, instead of hearing cars, we just hear crickets and cicadas. It's very different. And at the time we moved, our firstborn Piper was only two years old. And we found it so interesting. She could not sleep at night because it was too quiet. Isn't that interesting? But we just got used to it. Isn't that our human nature that we just get used to what we hear? And the warning of the text is that we would become dull of hearing. 
You know, I used to travel extensively in missions and preaching. And since I've went blind, I've not traveled anywhere. And this year, Sadie and I have had to do a couple of trips on behalf of Awakened to Grace. We've had to fly to Los Angeles and to Orlando. And it was my first time flying blind which I had no issues with. I mean, it was great trips. And I had no, I, I worried about navigating the airports and I worried about, you know, trying to, you know, just navigate it all. And I was very pleasantly surprised at how well I did. But one thing I noticed, I forgot how monotonous those airport announcements are, right? Well, I paid attention to the first few, but after that, Oh, no, I became dull of hearing. See, here's what I want you to understand, and here's what I want you to note. When the author says dullness of hearing, he, uh, he does not mean at all natural ability. He doesn't mean that in the slightest. No more than when Jesus said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Is that speaking only of the natural eardrum? No. Not at all. He's speaking of spiritual capacities, spiritual senses. For just as God has equipped us with five natural senses to taste, to smell, to hear, to see, to feel, so it is spiritually you have senses. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Having eyes to see, ears to hear. See, I'm learning in my disability. I'm learning ever more so. Some deaf people can hear God's voice clearer than any among us. And some blind people can see the light of God's word clearer than anyone. He does not mean natural senses. He means spiritual senses. Amen. And that's why when we come to the end today, he's going to say, train your senses. What is that? Train your spiritual senses capacities. Train your hearing to hear God. Resist sluggish hearing. So this is a good question for each of us to ask ourselves today. Have we become sluggish in hearing? Now, notice what he says in verse 12. Give me, give me the first line of verse 12. The teachers, right? For though by this time, thank you, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not meat. What is he saying, church? I want you to think about this for a moment. This original audience, these Hebrews, the ones that the author is writing to, now, 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 really pause on this. I've really tried to put myself in this world. I've really tried to put myself in that place of what it was like growing up, going to temple, watching the priest, picking out my lamb, 
and growing up in Judaism, I've really tried to place myself there and then walk away from all of that and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to sever those ties. I've really pondered that. What would it have been to have been told Christ is superior to Moses? Christ is superior to Joshua, to Aaron. But I want you to think about this. He is saying by this time, note that phrase, by now, by this point, you should be teachers. Do you know who he's writing to? Many of these people, I believe, were born again, were converted during the book of Acts. These are people that lived in the Acts generation. These are the people who saw the apostles die off and they saw the New Testament church born. They saw the preaching of Peter. I mean, they saw these things, many of them, no doubt. The text says in Hebrews that these are basically second generation Christians. They've heard, in other words, they were not eyewitnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. But no doubt, many of them were saved, they were converted, and they have spiritually grown up in the New Testament era in the book of Acts. And they've experienced the miracles. That's why the Holy Spirit is so forceful in chapters three and chapters four to say, look at Israel, look at the Red Sea generation. They saw all that they saw of God and yet they were filled with unbelief. And yet they drifted back. And now he's speaking to a generation who they've watched the miracles, the mind-numbing miracles of the book of Acts, and they're still ready to drift back. And they have become dull of hearing. How much more at risk are we? By now, you should be teachers. Now, let me note this. This is very critical. If you're like me and you read that, by now you should be teachers, I immediately think about preachers. I immediately think about those gifted teachers who lead small groups and who do special seminars and those who are gifted and they are equipped with that beautiful gift of teaching. One of the five-fold ministries of the offices of the church. That's where my mind goes. I think about people who teach for a vocation. Those who have, they, they are just teachers through and through. But you know, that's not what he's talking about. Do you realize that as a partaker of Christ and as a partaker of the Holy Spirit, do you realize that each of us, we are responsible to teach others what God has told us? And let me tell you where the first and where the primary role of teaching is in your life, it's in your home. Those of you who you have small children right now or those of you that you have grandchildren in your life right now, your responsibility is to teach them. 
Those of you who are mature in your faith, those of you who you've gone through some seasons of life, let me tell you what the scriptures instruct. The scripture says the older women are to teach and instruct the younger women. The older men are to teach and instruct the younger men. The older generation is to take them under their wing and mentor them and disciple them and pour into them. That's your responsibility, amen? So don't limit this idea of teaching. It's not, you cannot do a cop out here and say, well, I just don't have that gift. That's not what it's talking about. Each of us bears the weight of discipling other people. Each of us have the responsibility of saying, this is what God has poured into me and this is what I'll pour into others. Every one of us. But see, they can't do that. And why can they not do that? Listen, he says, by this point, you should be teachers, but you are in need of someone to teach you again. The basic, oh, look at that. Principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not meat. So here's the question I want to ask today. How do you know if you are receiving the milk of God's word or the solid food of God's word? Now, Look what he says next, because this is vital. Verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk. Now, let's stop right there because this is important. There are many of you that you are a baby Christian because you have not been following Jesus very long. Now, there are many in the church today as it was 2,000 years ago when Hebrews was written, there are many who are babies in Christ, not because they're new to following Jesus, but because they've never grown up. I want to say this, and let me say this very clear. There is nothing wrong with the milk of God's word. We read this in a very negative way sometimes. We read this as the milk of God's word is not useful. That's not true. Don't don't take that from this text. Babies need milk. Now let me say this, and let me say it very clear and very pastorally. If you are a baby Christian today, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with being a baby. Here's where we get it wrong. It's wrong to stay a baby. Do you see the difference? If you are young in your faith, not in your age, if you're young in your faith, then brother, sister, you crave. What does Peter say? Crave that sincere milk of the word. Crave it. I remember when my children were little. Did you know my children Never cried in the middle of the night. Never. At least that it woke me up. I can sleep through anything. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Let me tell you, a baby don't care 
if it's 1 a.m. or 3 a.m. When a baby craves milk, that's the number one thing. Is that right or wrong? And nobody in that house is going to get a wink of sleep until that baby gets that craving. Praise God for it. Amen. Listen, child of God, if you're young in your faith, don't feel condemned because you are a baby Christian. Boy, our kids are having a good time. I can hear them. We need a new building. Amen. Crave that sincere milk of the word. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. But if you're someone that you have been born again for a length of time now, and you should be further along in your spiritual development, then you need to grow spiritually. So look what he says. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That means they don't know how to use it. They don't know how to prepare their own food. They, they're unskilled. Notice it doesn't say that the word of righteousness is unavailable to them. It doesn't say that. Or that it's unaccessible to them. It doesn't say that. It says they're unskilled. Are you skilled in the word of God? Are you skilled in resisting the devil with the scriptures? If not, it might be that you're on milk. And you need to begin to transition to solid food. Unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? A child. It's time to grow up. Amen? Now, verse 14, look what it says. I love this verse so much. Oh, God's teaching me so much in this. For solid food is for the what? For the mature. Oh, I want the solid food of God. I want his word nurturing me, sustaining me, strengthening me. What did Jesus say? I have food that you don't know anything of. And my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Oh, I want to be sustained by the words of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There is a sustenance, there is a strengthening, there is a sustaining that comes into our lives from the solid food of the, will of, of the Word of God. Now, to answer my question today, how do you know that you're ready to transition? How do you know that you're growing? How do you know you're moving from immaturity to spiritual maturity? What's the marking? Well, look what he says. Solid food is for the mature. For those who have trained. Oh, I love that. Their senses. For those who have trained their powers of discernment. Distinguishing between good and evil. Now, what does that mean? <clears throat> As I've shared with you, senses here, or powers of discernment, the ESV says, literally is your spiritual capacity. It is, literally means your spiritual senses. This is not physical. This is spiritual. 
me tell you how much the Lord is helping me in this. First of all, circle that word train. That word, to me, is one of the most crucial in this text. Because do you know what that tells me? That tells me that my spiritual senses can grow, they can sharpen, they can strengthen, they can get better and better. I can train my spiritual capacities. If you don't mind, I want to share something with you very vulnerable to my life. There are many days, probably if you asked me, Chad, what do you struggle with from being a fully sighted person who could see everything to now for the last five years being a fully blind person who sees no light whatsoever? If you were to ask me what my greatest struggle is, I would say my greatest struggle is so often I feel like a shell. I don't say that so that you would feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me because the Lord is helping me and I'm going to tell you how the Lord helps me. But if I'm not careful, if I'm not diligent, if I in any way start to get dull in my hearing, here's what happens. It's easy to check out. People will have a conversation with me and I'll hear everything around me. But when all you see is darkness, it's so hard to feel like you connect to people. It's so hard to feel present in the room. I worry so deeply, do I connect with my kids the way I ought to? Do I pray with people and do I connect with them the way I ought to? It's so difficult to have hard conversations and emotional conversations and spiritual conversations when I can't see the facial expressions or people's demeanor. It's hard to preach truth when I can't see if people's receiving it or not. And so if I'm not careful, I feel like a shell. And I can hear a busy room and I can hear all the activity. But let me tell you what the Lord's teaching me and has been teaching me for five years. Let me tell you how I overcome that feeling in times the Lord helps me overcome. I don't live out of my physical senses. I, Chad Roberts, I'm not this. This isn't who I am. No more, <clears throat> no more than this phone is this hard shell. Do you know what this phone really is? It's the software inside it. You take the software out of the phone, and what good is the phone? The other day, my kids cracked my screen. Can you see my screen? 
It had a screen protector on it. I said, how do you, how do you break a phone with a screen? How does a blind man not break his phone and my kids break it? <laughs> my phone is damaged. My phone is cracked. My phone is missing a piece right here. But that does not affect the real phone. My phone can be at full capacity and it doesn't weigh any more and it doesn't weigh any less. Because the physical structure of this phone is not the real phone. The software is. And let me tell you, this is not the real me. My soul is the real me. Amen. And let me tell you what God's given my soul. He's given me eyes that can see. He's given me ears that can hear. And what I live out of is my soul. And that's why when my soul is happy, then I am happy. Amen. So the outside can crack. And the outside can be damaged, but the software be just fine. How are your senses today? Are you training them? Are you sharpening them? How do you do it, Chad? Oh, I'm glad you asked. The text tells us. By training your spiritual senses or your spiritual capacity, or as the text says, the powers of discernment by constant practice. That's how you do it. See, what did I say in the beginning? A baby has senses. A baby can smell, a baby can taste, a baby can see. But what a, but, but what a baby doesn't have is discernment. A baby will put anything and everything in its mouth. How many of us have been horrified as parents at the things our baby has put in its mouth? Right or wrong? Because there's no discernment. Baby Christians will listen to any preacher preach and not know the difference between right doctrine and wrong doctrine. A baby Christian cannot discern, cannot distinguish. They'll put anything in their mouth, sin, anything else. But no, someone who has discernment, someone who has developed the spiritual sense of discernment will not put just anything in their mouth. So how do you know, child of God, that you're maturing? How do you know that you're growing from milk to solid food? How do you know that you're developing? It's this, that you constantly grow your sense of discernment. It means you can smell what pleases God and what doesn't. Now watch this. Don't miss this. This is the key to it all. You ready for this? Distinguishing good from evil. Now what does that mean? Remember, spiritual growth is not analytical. 
It's not because you graduate from a Bible college. It's not because you know all these big doctrine words. It's not because you can memorize all this scripture. That's not spiritual growth. There are PhDs in theology that don't even know God. There are PhDs in theology that are not even born again. It means nothing. It's that capacity to know good versus evil. To know what is healthy and what is unhealthy. To know what is sinful and what is righteousness. And every one of you who are born again, you have that sense. The question is, are you developing it? Are you training it by constant practice? Because here's the fact, church, here's the fact, and you know this. We have the Ten Commandments. We have lists in Galatians and we have lists in Colossians that tell us what to do and what not to do. We have lists in Ephesians that tell us what to do and what not to do. Very clear in some things. But how many of you know that probably 95% of our daily decisions is not spelled out in the Scriptures? You have to discern. You have to taste, smell, hear, see, feel what's righteous or unrighteous. That's why you must train yourself against ungodliness. You have to renounce this world. If not, you'll be a baby Christian. And filth won't bother you. Sin will not bother you. Germs and disease will not even cross your mind because you'll put any sin and you'll put any ungodliness and you'll put any filthiness and you'll just, it'll be all over your senses and you won't have the discernment to know the right from the wrong. But as you're powers of discernment are trained by constant practice. You'll know what's righteous. You'll know what's godly. You'll know what's holy. You'll know what's right for you and your family and for your soul. And you'll know the difference between good and evil. That's spiritual maturity. That's when you know you're transitioning from the milk of God's word into the solid food. That's where God wants to lead each of you. He wants you to mature. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. Say, Chad, how? Train. Get those spiritual senses going and train it every day by constant practice. And you'll find yourself growing up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.